Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Today is President's Day. We really appreciate everybody coming in on their day off uh, to attend this webinar, which is on post-decision practice in New York workers' compensation claims. My name is Greg Lois. I'm joined by Jeremy Janis, who's to my left, your right. Jeremy's one of our in-house appeals experts today, so he's going to be doing most of the talking in today's uh, presentation. This is completely and totally live, uh, so please send us your questions if you have any. We won't be answering questions about specific cases, but just about practice and procedure uh, after the decision, after the trial decision, and what to do with appeals in general. Uh, so with that, uh, I'm going to turn things over to Jeremy, and we're going to start talking about our exciting topic of appeals. So we're here uh, to address the, question, the following questions. Your client wants to, or location wants to know, uh, should we appeal the law judge's decision in a workers' compensation claim? Um, does the filing of the appeal create a stay? And uh, what are the tactical reasons for appealing the law judge? Further, what would the appeal costs? Um, we're going to address each one of these questions in detail as we go along. Great. Um, first, we're going to start off about uh, in discussing where case law comes from. Um, for the most part, the um, sorry, um, board panel. There are board panel decisions and the Supreme Court, but those are not as um, those don't. Have, sorry, they have like no weight. No weight. They, they carry no weight at all. It's kind of frustrating because what we're getting all the time when we appeal trial level decision in workers' comp is those board panel decisions. We don't really cite to them as authority. We don't really rely on them as authority. Uh, and then when we go up to that first level of real appeal past the board, which is to the appellate division, they certainly don't rely on board panel decisions as authority. Um, so, so the appellate division and the court of appeals are the two courts that carry a lot more authority. They are the ones we should be referring to when we um, file appeals. Um, the board panel decisions may be a good place to look at just if you want to get an idea of what case law um, the board panel is citing to. Sure, sure. In fact, those board panel decisions are almost only useful, really, in my opinion, as a starting point for our uh, research and beginning to use our own shepherdization to come up with better cases and more authority uh, to sort of undo those board panel decisions if we need to, right? Okay, so there's a distinct path as to how appeals go. Um, first of all, the cases start before the law judges, um, um, and the first level of appeal will be to the board panel. This uh, level of appeal creates a stay. The appeal must be filed within 30 days of the notice of decision. Um, and this is where we would use uh, an appeal possibly as leverage to push the Section 32 agreement. Yeah, absolutely. The first level of appeal, I think, is almost purely tactical. Uh, anytime we get a decision we don't like and we think there might be some appealable error, it's a great opportunity to really throw the brakes into a case. I mean, we're now getting a stay, so we're not paying whatever the issue is that we're appealing, which of course creates that leverage, and it's really cheap to do it, right? I mean, at the end of the day, most of the time, uh, we're filing a summation brief at the conclusion of the trial. So the claimants testified, any lay witnesses that we have have testified, the doctors have testified, usually by way of out-of-court deposition. We've got all of those materials. We'll generally ask the court for leave to file a summation brief. And that first level, and, and, and then the judge renders a decision. And let's say we don't like that decision or there's some aspect of it that needs to be appealed. 
oftentimes that first level of appeal is just a repackaging of that summation brief. We'll add some case law in there uh, and we'll resubmit it and we'll uh, look for a better outcome maybe from the board panel. So it really doesn't cost a ton of time and it doesn't take a lot of effort uh, to put together that first level of appeal. So next we're going to discuss what happens when we lose the board panel <laughs> appeal, uh, appeal or we got to defend one going up. Right? Okay, so you're going to have two options at that point. Um, you're going to have either a full board, request a full board review or um, you're going to file an appeal or file a notice of appeal and, and push it up to the appellate division. Right. Um, but once you reach that point, the stay is now over. You're going to have to pay within 10 days of the, of the uh, board panel decision and you're going to have to decide which, which of one of the or both paths do you want to take. Right. And that uh, wonderful tactical opportunity that you have, that stay, that's not going to work uh, on that full board appeal, right? We don't get a stay for those, and we certainly don't get a stay for appeals taken to the appellate division. Um, there's another downside to those appeals. Um, the cost. Certainly, yeah. certainly. Um, you know, the cost and the complexity. So uh, filing to the full board often is the path that we'll take. It's optional. Don't have to do it. And we'll say, hey, let's do an appeal to the full board. Let's see if we get a different or a better outcome. And generally, we, we suggest that because uh, the outcome won't be precedential or binding on future decisions. Uh, so there's no real worry about creating bad case law for our clients or our industry. And the other reason is because it's a lot cheaper uh, than it would be to file that appeal to the appellate division. That's going to require us to file both the notice of appeal and then perfect the record. That record perfection process can take up to nine months under the appellate division rules, which means, and, and even longer perhaps, if there's significant disagreement about what should constitute the record in the court below. And because of that, that can be quite expensive and very complex. Uh, not only is it expensive in terms of attorney time, because we're fighting with the attorney general's office about what should or should not be included in the records uh, considered by the appellate panel, but also because uh, there's some very specific requirements about the binding and the number of copies we need to distribute of both our brief and then that entire record. And the record also has to be very specific as to margins, as to how the questions are presented to the court. It's very specific and it takes a lot of time to go through it. Right, so we almost always use an outside vendor to bind that record and put it together for uh, submission. And I think when we look at all the costs and expenses, it's about half the cost of an appeal to the appellate division, I think, is attorney time. You know, we're talking in, in the realm of 30 to 60 attorney hours, and then about half the cost is binding and printing, anywhere from 3000 to, on the outside, maybe five or $6,000 if there's an extensive record and a lot of materials to be submitted uh, to be considered by that appellate panel. So uh, there are some downsides to that appeal. Uh, the other downside, of course, to the appellate division is they can make case law. And that case law will then be precedential and binding on courts below, which means if we're taking appeals that um, come out against us on uh, novel issues of law, and particularly I'm thinking about the new scheduled loss of use guidelines, et cetera, we have to be very mindful that it could negatively impact cases going forward for all of our clients, not just this one matter or this one issue. All right, the last level of appeal, and really, really, it's not the last level because you could go to the United States Supreme yeah. Court, but nobody's doing that, uh, would be to that Court of Appeals in New York. Even though most uh, states call their highest court the Supreme Court, not New York. We like to do things differently. And the Supreme Court is the lowest court. <laughs> right, it doesn't make any sense, but that's New York for you. 
Our highest court is the Court of Appeals. Um, again, high cost, high complexity to uh, taking appeal up to the Court of Appeals. There have been some uh, decisions that have come out in the last couple of years, particularly those involving the constitutionality of changes to the workers' compensation law. Those have gone all the way up to the Court of Appeals, but not a lot of other cases do. And it'd be very unlikely that your run-of-the-mill case where the dispute is about, for example, the nature and extent of permanent residual disability, or whether a defense was properly invoked, or the standards met, uh, would make it all the way up to the Court of Appeals. So pretty unlikely. And, and again, you're going to incur the same costs on the binding, the margins, and all that. So it's right. going to the, end up costing just as much as the appeal from the, yep. to the appellate division. So it's not attractive. And those next two levels of appeals, both full board review, appellate division, Court of Appeals, again, you're not getting that stay. So that tactical advantage that you're getting, or that maybe tactical reason for doing it, uh, for filing the appeal, is not there. We put together a chart, and this chart is also in the handout materials uh, that we um, sent out to everybody this morning, and also they're attached to this webinar, so you can just download them now if you haven't received them. Uh, this sort of gives you an idea, I think a big overview, of the concepts we're talking about, the tactical use of appeals, and then weighing the tactical use of the appeals uh, with the idea that, hey, some of them have a downside, and that could be cost, complexity, expense, and of course, the potential uh, for obtaining very bad case law. And I think it's almost always that we'll recommend an appeal to the board panel where there is some appealable issue in the underlying decision. Um, again, you're getting that stay, which we put up here on this chart in bold. Um, the cost, I mean, typically quite low. Just the hours that we have to uh, to draft the, the board panel. Right. Appeal. The challenge of the uh, board panel appeal, of course, that lowest level of appeal, is that it has to comply with the board requirements. they not that significant, um, but it has to be on specific forms. It has to be done within a certain time. Now, you said within 30 days. In my experience, I've seen almost no leeway. Uh, or no uh, leave to extend that time. Not, really not at all, and you need, uh, you need to specify which um, form of service. You can't have duplicative service, and you also need to leave a detailed exception with the law judge. Um, they've been starting to enforce that rule more and more recently. Right, and that's a great point. The trial judge uh, who's appearing in court needs to be raising objections for them to be relied upon later on appeal, and that's really key. Um, and the, the other thing about that lowest level of board panel appeal is the percentage of time the case comes back, it's sent back to the trial judge or gets reversed is about 30%. I'm including in that win percentage uh, times when the, the judge has been reversed in whole and or the case has been rescinded uh, or, and sent back to the, to the trial judge to take some more findings or make some more proceedings. Because again, you're getting that extra bite at the apple. Um, the upper or the other uh, appeal opportunities, full board, appellate division, court of appeals, again, no stay. And that's the most important thing, I think, for clients and uh, risk professionals watching today to take away. That stay doesn't uh, go there. And so there really isn't a tactical reason. You really shouldn't be taking those appeals unless you really think you're going to win them. Uh, the only exception to that, I would say, is that now, as of the new April 2017 statutory changes, the claimant has an absolute right of mandatory appeal to the full board where their disability is being reduced below 80%. And that's to give them the benefit of that undue hardship award that they may have been able to argue for under our new April 2017 statutory changes. All right, uh, let's come over here. 
We're at the questions phase of today. Uh, this is our second session teaching or talking about this subject. And in our first session, we didn't get any questions. We just had one that just said, hey, we can hear, see you guys fine. I'm looking over here right now. I, again, I don't see any uh, questions in this session. Please feel comfortable emailing us or calling us with any questions you might have about this topic. All right, I think that's it. Everybody enjoy the rest of your holiday. Enjoy the rest of your day off. Okay, thanks.